Welcome to the Sunday morning podcast from Kingdom Faith Church in Burgess Hill. Great. Morning, everybody. Everybody's looking very happy and nice this morning. Brilliant. Well, welcome, Paul. It's good to be here. It's great to have you uh, with us this morning. We met, I think, 2005. Was the first time that we, Jane and I, came out to Israel. Time flies, doesn't it? My hair was black then. Your hair was black. Yeah. Mine was slightly darker too. I think we're both graying, you know, and hopefully graciously we're getting older. Yeah. Brilliant. Now, just to give a little bit of context for the conversation that we're going to have this morning. Um, now, most of you all know this year uh, we've been going through the book of Romans. And the last few weeks we've been, since beginning of September to the end of this month, uh, kind of looking at Romans 9, 10, and 11. And <clears throat> Paul wrote the book of Romans to the church in Rome because there was some tension between the Jews and the Gentiles. So the Roman believers, the Gentiles there, and the Jewish believers. And he was writing there basically to say, and, and the first eight chapters of the letter that he wrote is all about the gospel. So what is the gospel? What has God done? And basically, whether you're Jew or Gentile, there's only one way to be saved, and that is through Jesus. And he does state in there, Jesus came first for the Jew, then for the Gentile. Uh, But basically, what he was talking about is that in Christ, you come together and you're brothers, uh, one man in Christ. And so he then comes to chapters 9, 10 and 11. And in that, he says that, has God rejected the Jewish people? Uh, And he said, by no means, of course he hasn't. And so he brings out in those three chapters, which we're going through over these these last few weeks, uh, God's heart for the Jewish people. Now, Jane brought Romans 11 last week and going to bring the the last part of that next week. Uh, But the the timing of Paul being here is is brilliant. Right in the middle of this kind of Romans 9, 10, 11 that we're going through, it would be great just to chat with Paul and, and just hear... What is he doing uh, in Israel, also Bethlehem? We'll explain some things in, in a minute uh, as to where he lives and some of the tensions there. But what is God doing and what is happening there and why are certain things so important at this time? Um, so, Paul, great to have you here, mate. Good to be here, yeah. Um, just, first of all, give us a little bit of context of why are you in Israel? Why are you there? Well, ultimately, God called me yeah. to go to Israel. Um, I was in Canada. I'd been to Israel quite a number of times, so I'd go for a month and do a renovation work on St. Paul's Church in Jerusalem, do that for a month, then leave and go somewhere else, and then next year I'd come back again for another month. And then I went to work in Canada as a children's pastor, and and I was there for two years. And while I was there, somebody offered me a job, and so I had to pray about it. Mm. So I was coming back to Israel, just for that extra month, just to do some renovation work. And I'm praying, and I'm on top of St. Paul's Church, praying, God, where do you want me to be? And I had in mind this job in Canada. And I felt God spoke to me and said, come build the walls of Jerusalem. And I felt it deep in my heart, and I'd never experienced that before. So there's this real feeling in my heart, come build the walls of Jerusalem. So was this God speaking? Was it just a bad piece of cheese that I'd eaten that day? And uh, so I I was like, God, was that really you? Because it really felt like something. And then um, I had a friend with me, and we were going to go and visit a museum. 
And at first we were going to go to a museum that I'd already been to. And I thought, well, what's the point? You know, why don't we go to a museum that I've never been to as well? So we went to the Tower of David Museum in Jaffa Gate in Jerusalem. And as we were walking through the Tower of David Museum, there was a sign on the wall and it said this, come build the walls of Jerusalem. So I knew that God was calling me. Did God speak to me? I've been there for 20 years, 20 years in Israel. So did God speak to me? Well, I believe God did speak to me because when you go to Israel and you work in Israel, your work visa lasts for five years. I've been there for 20 years and they don't throw me out. So either they like me or I've got special permission to be there, so. Uh, both, let's yeah. say both, eh? Yeah. They like you and you've got special permission, brilliant. So, but you had some things in your heart even before you went to Israel to do with kind of radio and, and like a vision for radio and all of that. And, and just explain a little bit about what you're doing now. Yeah, I've, I've always loved radio. I, I'm a big collector of British comedy. So I have a big collection of 1960s comedy. So when I was like 18 and 19, I used to write lots and lots of comedy scripts and send them to the BBC and things like that. <laughs> and I got one thing on the news headlines and I got paid for it. And, but I always loved radio. And then when I was a little bit older, I, want, I was working for my dad on the farm uh, and I went to work in, I went to the local radio station, but I could only do it for one day yeah. because I was getting up at 6.30 in the morning for my dad milking cows and then, and it was just like, it was getting, it was gonna be too much for me. Uh, and then eventually I left that and went to Israel and it seemed to be that the whole door opened for working in radio. Right. So I started doing just, do, I think I was doing little radio interviews for my prayer letters and just interviewing one or two people. And then someone from Canada called me and said, we'd like to do a radio show 15 minutes every week. Can you do that? And I said, yes, and put the phone down, thought, oh my goodness, what am I gonna do? <laughs> and I didn't even have any editing equipment in that day, so you were recording it, and we have to get this perfect because I can't edit it. And then someone gave me Cool Edit, and I was able to edit, and we've, we've gone through, and we've probably done about 900 uh, radio interviews at the moment. Right. So we've done a huge amount of interviews, interviewing Palestinians, getting their opinion, interviewing Israelis from all kinds of different subjects, yeah. from different Christian ministries in the land. And if you go to Bethlehem, we, we always tend to hear a negativity about the Palestinian Authority, but there are so many Christian organizations helping people in Bethlehem. Right. You know, you've got the House of Hope, Yamima, uh, LifeGate, Holy Family Hospital, uh, counseling, uh, YMC, all these Christian organizations are helping the people in the community. Right. And the Christians there, although they may be from another country and came into Bethlehem, are doing a great, great work and a great witness in Bethlehem. Brilliant. So it's exciting. <clears throat> so you've got a radio show though, you've got a radio station now. Yes. I mean, you're not just a radio show, but a whole station that is putting out. Well, it started off as a radio show. Yeah. And that was a step of faith because I, had to, I was paying to put it on a radio station in Bethlehem, one hour show every week, and I had to pay $40. So I had to step out in faith and do that. And that was a bit nervous and a bit scary. And I always say, it doesn't matter if you don't have faith, because God will teach you that faith. Right. So God provided. Then we left that radio station because it wasn't very good, and we went to another one, but they were gonna charge $100 an hour. So we went on there, and then God provided. And I'd done it, I guess, for about seven years and we paid every single bill. So God taught me about faith. Right. So it didn't matter if I didn't have that faith, God taught yeah. me it. Yeah. And from there, we started a radio station uh, with Cross Rhythms Radio, and now we have our own radio station right there in Bethlehem, broadcasting to the people. 
Brilliant. So you live, so you live in Bethlehem. Yeah. Now, just to maybe explain to people, living in Bethlehem sounds a little bit romantic, doesn't it? Oh, I'd love to live there. But um, can I just explain, what is it like living there? And just give a context of like the Bethlehem Palestinian Authority, that kind of stuff, yep. just so that people understand the context. Well, Bethlehem is in the Palestinian Authority. So you have Israel, but within Israel, you've got the Palestinian Authority. It's not Palestine, it's a Palestinian Authority. So Bethlehem is in the Palestinian Authority. And there are many different towns that are governed by the Palestinian Authority. So Ramallah, Jericho, Hebron, Bethlehem, Janine, Nablus, they're all governed by the Palestinian Authority. So Bethlehem is governed by the Palestinian Authority and Israelis are not allowed to go into Bethlehem. And Palestinians, in general, some of them, you're not allowed to go into Israel unless you've got permission. So many, many Palestinians do work in Israel. Many get permission to go and work in Israel. So I live in Bethlehem and it's a Palestinian city. Uh, sometimes it can be a little bit tense so when there is something that's happening, for instance, if Israel were going into Gaza and doing an operation, uh, the Palestinian kids get really upset and get angry. So Rachel's tomb is on the edge of Bethlehem and they will come out of the mosque at 12 o'clock in the afternoon, one o'clock in the afternoon, go to Rachel's tomb and they will throw stones at Rachel's tomb. And then the soldiers will come out and fire tear gas and rubber bullets. Uh, and that's the situation. Now where I live is a long way away from that. Uh, but I'm the sort of person who sort of sometimes goes looking for trouble. So I, I like to go and when, I, when the kids are throwing stones, I like to go and take photographs and take video because they get their slingshot and they put it and they sling it round and round and then they let it go. And sometimes it's a marble they have in there and it's very dangerous because this could hit a soldier in the head. It'd be like David and Goliath and it could kill them. Uh, so I like to go and so I've been tear gassed about three times uh, <laughs> going to take photographs. It's not a very nice thing at all. Uh, but. That's the situation that can happen. Most of the rest of the area of Bethlehem is okay, it's fine. So I live very close to Manger Square. So where Jesus was born in Manger Square in Nativity Church, I am five minutes to the right of that down uh, in the valley. Uh, it takes me five minutes to go up the stairs and I'm right there in Manger Square. So it's an awesome place to live and uh, a real blessing and I get to know people. People get to know me, I get to know them. And it's just, just a great place to live. Mm. So, so you live in Bethlehem, which is under the Palestinians. So all the Arabs who live there are Palestinians, right? Yeah, everyone who lives there is Palestinian. There's no right. Israeli in Bethlehem. Okay, right. So then in Israel itself, you then have Arab Israelis or Israeli Arabs that are different from Palestinian Arabs, right? It's very complicated. Yeah, it is. So you've got in East Jerusalem. So some of the Arabs in East Jerusalem will call themselves Palestinian. Yeah. Some of them will be, so they don't have, they have, um, they, they have blue ID, but they don't, they have temporary residency. Sure. But then you have people, uh, Israeli Arabs, who have more of a residency. Yeah. They took the residency, so they also have blue ID. Uh, but Palestinians, they do feel like second-class citizens in the Holy Land. And for someone in Bethlehem, if you're a young kid, like my good friend Elias, yeah. He doesn't have permission to go to Jerusalem. Right. And we've, I've been wanting to go to, the, to, to Tel Aviv, to the beach, to, and I've been wanting to take some of the youth to different places, but they don't have permission. Right. So someone like him, he feels like he's in a great big prison. Right. Because him as a Christian, well, the Christians don't do anything wrong. The Christians are not out there throwing stones and fighting. It's the Muslims that are doing that. So they feel a little bit saddened that they're caught up in this environment. 
But at the same time, many, many Palestinians would actually just, they want to live in peace. Yeah. And they would actually rather live under Israel than live under the Palestinian Authority. Right. Because basically the Palestinian Authority is corrupt. <laughs> Where's all the money? It's in their back pocket. Right, yeah. right. So you, you obviously live in a, in a fairly tense place that can flare up and, you know, quite easily yeah. uh, for different reasons. So what, what is the general attitude of the Palestinians that you live with towards Israel then, towards Jewish people? Um, it depends who you talk to. Some people can be very, very angry and very frustrated. Um, I have a friend who I, who I met just recently and he, he's 22 years of age and he told me he was arrested by Israel and he was tortured. And uh, he's got a very negative attitude. So you meet certain people who are really, really negative about Israel. You meet Christians who are all also, they, they jump onto the indoctrinization that's put out there. So they don't think about something they're being told. They just jump with it first. Uh, and so they can be negative. But then you've got other Christians as well who are actually very positive about Israel. Uh, and Wait, feel when you say Christians, you mean Palestinian Christians? Palestinian Christians. Right. Okay. Yeah. So in Bethlehem, I think we've got about only about 27% of the people in Bethlehem are Christian. And that can mean anything. Whereas about 5 or 6% are evangelical Christians. Okay. So some of them have a very good atmosphere and some of them would just rather live under Israel. Mm. So you have all, all different streams. You also have a sense of replacement theology. They may not say it's replacement theology, but really it is. Mm. Uh, and they're trying to justify to say, this land belongs to us. It belongs to the Palestinians. Right. Well, when I read my Bible, if you read the book of Genesis, it tells me that it tells me exactly who God is giving the land to. God is making the promise to Abraham. Then he makes it to Isaac. Then he makes it to Jacob. And then he says, I will give you this land. Then as you go on, and I've underlined each time it says that, it's an eternal covenant. Right. And then God makes the covenant in Genesis 15. So he doesn't make the covenant with Abraham. He makes it by himself. Right. And he cuts the light, the, the animals, and he walks through the middle. And these animals have been split in two. And what God is saying, if I don't keep my promise, may I be split in two. Right. And that's what he's saying. But he didn't make Abraham walk through it. So Abraham doesn't have to fulfill the covenant. It's only God that has to right. fulfill the covenant. Right. So God has to keep his promises. So God has given the land to the Jews. It's theirs. To stay in the land is a different thing. So they have to behave. So if you're a kid and you've got a mobile phone, it's your mobile phone. But if you behave, your dad might say, right, you're not having that for a week. It's still your phone, but it's been taken away from you. Right. And that's what God done. You know, he disciplined Israel. He sent them out. So they went to Babylon and he brought them back after 70 years. Then he threw them out again and he sent them all around the nations. But then in 1948, he brought them back. And we're seeing a modern day miracle that God is bringing the Jews back to the land. Right. Because uh, the Bible says, I will bring them from the north, the south, the east, and the west. And we saw many, many Russians coming in uh, a while ago. Then we saw people from Ethiopia, so there's a lot of Ethiopians coming in. Now we're seeing Ukrainians coming in, and I'm hoping that they will stay in the land, Ethiopian Jews, that when everything quietens down and everything's sorted, that they won't go back to Ukraine, but they'll stay in the land that God has given them. And of course, with, the, um, with Putin getting a little bit more aggressive, uh, wanting his own people to get more involved in the war, 
more people are wanting to leave and escape. So hopefully that will bring more Russian Jews back to the land of Israel as well. So God is fulfilling his promises. So we can see God moving today that he's bringing Jews back to the land. It says, I will send the, I will send the fishermen and then the hunters. Right. And the fishermen are the Christians that are bringing, oh, let's fly you back to Israel. And the hunters are people like ISIS and like Putin. You know, we're going to chase you. So they, they flee and they come back to the land because they know that Israel is their home. Right. And this is the place they want right. to be. So you're in quite a unique place, really, because you live in Bethlehem amongst Palestinian people. So you, you kind of, you're friends with a lot of them. Mm. Uh, you're building relationships with them, but you also have a heart for the Jewish people and you work in, in Jerusalem as well in, in different ways, um, which is quite a, quite a unique scenario that, you are, that you're in. Yeah. So when, when God spoke to you right at the beginning and said, come and build the walls of Jerusalem, um, we would, I think a lot of us think, right, you're going to be in Jerusalem then and you're going to really reach Jewish people, but yet God's put you in Bethlehem amongst the Palestinian people so what does that look like to build up the walls of Jerusalem, but yet you're living in Bethlehem working with Palestinians? I think it's telling people the truth. Now, you have to be very, very careful. We have a radio station in Bethlehem. So if our radio station is seen to be pro-Israel, yeah. they just won't listen. Sure. So you have to be careful. And if I really just went around Bethlehem expressing my views, I'd probably be shot. Right. So, sure. uh, and that's sure. not very healthy for me. So. Uh, um, so I, I get the chance to, you know, we have youth meetings. Everyone in my youth meeting basically knows where I stand. Yeah. And we can have debates and we can talk and we, we can ask questions, you know. Uh, some questions say, oh, the Jews of the day are not the Jews of the Bible. You know, but when, well, why does it say in Revelation he will call the 144,000? And that there's 12,000 from this tribe, 12,000 from this tribe. So they are Jews. So if the Jews don't exist, why is the book of Revelation? Ah, oh, but that's happened. That's, that, that's happened in the past. It doesn't happen today. So you get into theological debates with things. And I've sort of come to the conclusion that people who really don't believe that God has given the land to the Jews, they have a different version of parts of the Bible. Mm. And that's particularly just recently, that's been quite a challenge to me. And I've sort of really noticed, you know, Ezekiel 37, 38 talks about how uh, Russia and conglomerates will come and invade the land of Israel. And we as Bible believers believe that's going to be sometime in the future. They don't believe that. Because if they believe that, they have to believe that Israel exists. Right. And they don't want to believe that Israel exists. Right. So they have to explain it away in another kind of theology. Right. So it's a challenge. Uh, and uh, it's a challenge for me being in, in Bethlehem. I... I believe that the Palestinians are fighting against God because God said to Abraham, I will bless those who bless you and curse those who curse you. So I, I'd love to see the Palestinians have a state, but not on this piece of land because this is the land that God gave to the Jews. But God also gave a promise to Ishmael. So you need to get your promise there and not take the promises here. But sure. there's a battle, and I think in Israel, we see a spiritual battle sure. between the promise that God has given to the Jewish people yeah. and, and the Arabs, Arab nations are wanting what God has given. Right. But we also see that in our own life because I have a battle because I want to do the things of the spirit, but then also at the same time, the things of the flesh get in the way. Yeah. And, I, and, and I, well, I want to do the things of the spirit, but I also right. want to do the things of the flesh. And that battle that I have in my life is actually physically being acted out in the nation of Israel. You know, we saw the, how Abraham, he tried to push the promises of God and uh, Sarah gave Hagar and they had the child Ishmael through the flesh. Yeah. Where 
God's promise was to have a child through the spirit. Yeah. And there's the battle, the flesh and the spirit, the flesh and the spirit. So what happens in our own lives today, we're actually physically seeing it in the nation of Israel today as well. Right, right. That's a brilliant way of explaining it. Yeah, yeah. I love that. It's so good, mate. So what would you kind of what would you say God is doing? What do you see God doing, whether in Bethlehem or in Israel, maybe I don't know. What do you see? If you had to kind of sum that up in some way. So what's he doing right now? What's happening? Well, I think it's exciting because Jews are coming back to the land. Yeah. And we've seen this over many, many years. I did hear a story once that there was a Jew in America and he, he really wanted to come back to Israel and he wanted to go to the Western Wall, the Wailing Wall. And he's like, oh, I really want to go to the Wailing Wall. So yeah. he saved his money and it took him a long time. And he said, I really, really want to go to the Wailing Wall. So he got on an airplane. He flew from New York to uh, Tel Aviv and he got out to there and he went to the taxi driver and straight away he wanted to go to the Wailing Wall. He said, take me to the Wailing Wall. Uh, take, take me to the place, and he couldn't remember the name. So take me to the, oh, oh what's the name? Take, take, take me to the place where they cry and they wail a lot. So the taxi driver took him to the tax office. <laughs> <laughs> but. It's the same, same there as it is here, eh? Yeah, yeah. yeah. But yeah, but, so, but, but but God is bringing Jews back to the land. And it's exciting to see that God is bringing Jews back to the land. And that's a fulfillment of biblical promise. Right. So we're seeing, and, and if, if God cannot keep his promises in this book to the Jewish people, then he can't keep his promises to you and me. Right. So we might as well throw this book away, go home and watch Coronation Street, because we're going to get more out of it. Yeah, but but we know... That would be awful, <laughs> we, we know that God yeah. does keep his promises. Yeah. So it's exciting to see when you go to Israel that God is bringing Jews back into the land uh, of Israel. So we're seeing that happen. Um, one thing that's um, been very, very big in Israel at the moment, there are five red heifers that have came to Israel. And some people were, so what, red heifers? Well, the Jews want to build a temple on the Temple Mount. When you see about Israel, it's the hour hand on the clock. When you see about Jerusalem, it is the minute hand. When you hear about the Temple Mount, it is the second hand, that, that, that second hand of God's return, God coming. And I personally believe that there will be a temple on the Temple Mount because the Bible talks about the Antichrist setting himself up as God in the temple. So I personally believe, maybe some people maybe don't believe that, but I personally believe there will be a temple on the Temple Mount. So Jews are actually getting their stones ready today, but when they build that temple, they have to dedicate it. And what they need is a red heifer. And that heifer has to be pure red, not even one white hair on it. And then they will burn it and they will sacrifice it and they will put the ashes around the temple to sanctify the temple. Then they can start their temple worship. Well, they've never, been, they've never had a red heifer, but they have found five red heifers in Texas. So they've brought them to Israel. They're not gonna sacrifice them because they have to be bred in Israel. So they're hoping to breed these red heifers so that they get pure red heifers that they can sacrifice in the temple. So we see that we're sort of getting ready for end time scenarios. So we really are living in exciting times. So that's one exciting thing that God is doing with Israel. Uh, another exciting thing that's been more for me personally, I went to do an interview with a, young, a guy called Jonathan Feldstein. And I've interviewed him before. And last time I interviewed him, I brought him a mug with my radio, radio hire on it. And I gave him that. So he said, oh, I'll give you coffee. And he gave me coffee in my mug. And I said, oh, my Palestinian friend, he makes these. 
So he's like, well, can he, can he make some for me? So this is a, a Jewish man who lives next door to Bethlehem. Now, he cannot come into Bethlehem. My friend Musa, who makes the mugs, cannot go into Ifrat. So they cannot meet each other. So we said, yes. So I sort of facilitated this, uh, got the deal going, and he made him his mugs. And then we went to a neutral place and we delivered the mugs and he got paid. Now, you don't hear about that in the news. Uh, he wanted to take a photograph. I'm like, no, 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 we can't take a photograph because if that photograph goes on Facebook, it can be very, very dangerous and very, very difficult. Uh, but that's just one of the sort of things that you don't hear happening in the news. And in the future, uh, I sat with Jonathan. He said, we'll have to do this again sometime. I said, well, I, I know Palestinian guys, young guys, 24, 25 years of age. Why don't we bring some of them and we'll just sit together and we'll talk and chat. I have no idea what, what we're going to talk about. But let's just bring some Palestinian guys who can't come to Ifrat. You can't come into to Bethlehem. Let's meet in a, in, a, in a separate place and just have a cup of coffee together and just chat and just have a friendship. So that's one thing that I'm very excited about when we get back in the future is uh, just, just doing that because that's going to be a great, great blessing, I think. So, so you, you work a lot with younger people, don't you? Yeah. And like, particularly in Bethlehem, Palestinians. Yes. Yeah. Um, so... How important is it then for them? Because they're obviously growing up, a lot of them, with a hatred for Israel, the Jewish people, and, and everything that goes with that. Um, how are you helping to, again, connect with building the walls of Jerusalem? What kind of conversations do you have with them, or how are you helping them to see things in a different light? Because if one thing is passed from one generation to the next, do you know what I mean? And you can have generational blessing, but also the opposite where one generation comes up because of whatever their parents say. So it, what the conversation we were having yesterday, it sounds really important that you're, you're working with young people yeah. to help change the narrative and their mindsets and their understanding um, to do with their own lives and to do with Israel and, and everything. Do you maybe want to... Well, I've, I've met that? people when they're, um, they're going to throw stones at Rachel's tomb, and I said, yeah. why? What's the point? You'll only get shot. So I've tried to, you know, don't go and throw stuff. What's the point? Uh, and, and many times you hear us, this, this guy that he went into prison. Well, what was the point of that? You didn't get anywhere. You didn't get anything. So um, it's, 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 it's being careful. The, the Christian community, you can sort of share with, with them. And we write a lot of things on our radio station to do with, with, with peace. And um, I, I wrote a, an article once, a, a devotion once about, um, you know, people who live in glass houses shouldn't throw stones. You know, if, if, if you throw stones back at them, don't be surprised if they're going to throw stones back at you. Yeah. So isn't it better to show love and peace? Yeah. But we do get the chance and the opportunity to go into the schools as well and speak into the schools uh, and just preach a message of love and a gospel message. Ultimately, they need Jesus. Yeah. So we talk about um, different subjects, but ultimately we want to point them to Jesus and we want people to know the truth and the light. And I've had great opportunities just talking about faith uh, one Muslim guy came to my house and he started talking uh, to me and he asked me one question. He told me that, oh, uh, that um, Jesus, that Muhammad was prophesied in the Bible. Mm. And I was so pleased that he said that because I had an answer to him. You know, so if you go and where it talks about Jesus talks about the Holy Spirit coming, they say that's talking about Muhammad. So I, I said to him, and I said, well, let's look at the scripture. Let's look at the verse. And it talks about how uh, Jesus goes to the Father. Well, would you as a Muslim call God your Father? Because they don't call God their Father. No. And it talks about how the Holy Spirit will be with you and in you. 
or he, I will send you the comforter, he will be in you and with you. Was Muhammad in you? And is he with you? And, and he will be with you forever. Is Muhammad with you forever? So how can you say this is talking about Muhammad when everything that it says doesn't fit what Muhammad says? This is talking about the Holy Spirit. Mm. So you do get opportunities to talk and uh, witness and testify. Yeah, yeah. amazing. Yeah. Just, I just want to read a couple of verses in, in Ephesians um, here because, I mean, Paul sums up here what God's heart is for Jew and Gentile or Jew and Arab coming together. It just says uh, here, for he himself, this is Jesus, is our peace, who has made the two one and has destroyed the barrier, the dividing wall of hostility, by abolishing in the flesh the law with its commandments and regulations. With, uh, his purpose was to create in himself one new man out of the two, thus making peace, and in this one body to reconcile both of them to God through the cross by which he put to death their hostility. He came and preached peace to you and, uh, who were far away and peace to those who are near. So those far away are those who are not Jewish and those who are near who are Jewish. For through him, we both have access to the Father by one spirit. So what are you seeing in relation to say, the, some of the fulfillment of that in terms of Jew and Arab coming together as, as believers? Are you, have you, are you seeing that in any way, shape or form? Well, in the past we've, we've, take, we've, we've joined groups together because I was part of King's Kids, so we're not doing that so much now, although, I, as I said, I want to yeah. do that in the future. Yeah. But we do, we want to bring Jew and Arab together. That's, yeah. that's, that's really my heart, yeah. because that's where there's real peace and real understanding. Uh, my friend Elias, he went on uh, an organisation called Tech to Peace. Now, Tech to Peace bring Palestinians and Jews together. Uh, so I was really excited that he went on and I promoted their organization on our radio. And sometimes people don't like that. People, Palestinians don't want normalization with Israel. So you can get into a little bit of trouble with that if you're not careful. Uh, but we want to promote that because we want to bring Palestinians and Jews together. You know, you're not going to get through your differences unless you sit down and talk together. So something like Tech to Peace is an organization where these people are in high tech, <coughs> and they come together and they're sponsored by some like Microsoft and Google and things like that. And they get away and they, they, they camp out for a week, two weeks, and they get to know each other and they get to share their stories. And it's just been just an excellent way of seeing. So, that, so um, me just being able to share their stuff on our radio, and I've spoken to people, I've, I've invited people, why don't you go, my friends, why don't you go on this course, you know? Mm -hmm. So that's been a real blessing to see. So I'm not necessarily personally involved in that, although we are gonna do that with Jonathan, uh, but just to encourage people to come together, because that's where it is, coming together as the one new man in mm. Christ mm. is important, mm. it's so yeah. important. Amazing. So what, what, what are you doing that's not in Bethlehem? So do you do, you do much in Jerusalem? Uh, are you working with other leaders I around Israel? Well, I, I, I also do radio shows. So yeah. I'm doing a lot of radio interviews. So we, we interview a lot of um, organizations. So just recently we've, we've interviewed a lot of, uh, interview, done a lot of interviews to do with Israel and the Holy Land. So we do sort of different stories like terrorism and things like that and what's happening, uh, the Temple Mount. Um, I interviewed a lady just recently about Britain's response during the British Mandate period. And they're an organization called uh, Breaching the Gap, mm. where Britain done some really bad things to the Jewish people who were wanting to try and get into the land. They were escaping the Holocaust and we wouldn't let them in. So we do a lot of interviews with that. I also go into the schools as well. 
so the schools in Jerusalem as well and just uh, speak the word of God and just enjoy speaking to kids really. So mm, it's mm. a lot of fun. I think, I think it's so, so important though, reaching the next generation. I think it's somewhere that the churches around the world have missed the children because they're, 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 it's, it's the law today in England, in the UK, where there has to be a school assembly and teachers don't want to do it. They'll stick a song on, you know, the, the, from the top 40 and they'll say something. They'll say a word that sounds nice and that's it. Whereas pastors and leaders and church workers and things like that should say, okay, if you don't want to do it, I'll come in and I'll do it and I'll just talk. And they can tell the truth. They can tell the gospel message, you know, and, and do it in love and do it in a bit of fun and excitement. Uh, and I think sometimes the church has missed the key there, mm. getting into the schools, even in Bethlehem. I, I'd go into quite a few schools, but I think, you know, there's, there's a lot of people that could be going in and speaking into the schools and, you know, oh, you don't want to do it. You know, the, uh, you have Christians who are a little bit apathetic and don't really know what to say. So it's a bit of a, a rubbish assembly. Well, let us go in there and let's speak truth and speak mm, light. Mm, yeah, so that's yeah, what we're doing. Yeah, amazing. Yeah. I think what you're doing, mate, is amazing. Because uh, imagine, so Paul lives in Bethlehem. It's not, it's not like he's got loads and loads of team or anything you work with, is it? It's, it's, it's just loads and loads of cats. Loads of cats. <laughs> but you're sort of pioneering it every day. And, and oh, it's not easy, just the whole spiritual atmosphere. No. Uh, so it'd be great to pray for you. Um, but also, we've got a couple of questions that around your tables... Uh, you can just spend a few minutes uh, just talking through, chatting through uh, in, a, in a couple of moments. But can we just pray for you? You're definitely. First of all, is that all right? Yeah, yeah. Thank you, Jesus. Father, I, I thank you for Paul, just the call upon his life, his response to you to say yes, and over 20 years of pioneering, being in spiritually what would be very, very dry ground. But yet, Father, he comes with your life and with your spirit to bring who you are to the Palestinian people, particularly in Bethlehem. And Father, we just thank you for your grace upon him, your favour upon him. That you continue to open up doors that nobody can shut, opportunities that nobody can close and stop or hinder. Father, I just thank you for... Uh, Greater favour with particularly reaching younger people in, in Bethlehem and all that he's doing there. We thank you for the radio station that everything he sends out from, from stories and interviews and testimonies and all the music that is, all Christian music that is, is just pumped out all over Bethlehem and that area. Father, we thank you that he who is in us is greater than he who is in the world. And what is being declared and released is, is overcoming the negative and, and all the stuff that the enemy is doing. So, Father, we thank you for your protection around him, your provision for him in every way, and continue strength. Where he feels weak, we thank you that you are his strength and everything that he needs. So we thank you, Father, for who he is and what he's doing in your mighty name. Amen. Amen. Thank you for listening to this Kingdom Faith podcast. We trust it's been an encouragement to you. For more information and resources from Kingdom Faith and our other audio and video podcasts, please visit www.kingdomfaith.com.